Professor, welcome episode 159 of Podcast Pilgrim. My name is Russell and um, welcome to Shay Todd. You. Shay Todd. Yeah, that's very nice. I've been there once before years ago. I don't think it's changed much except you've got your new Welsh memorabilia the last time. Have, it wouldn't have changed much, no. Not with us, um, not, not physically anyway, um, but by uh, the wonders of the World Wide Web. It's uh, Rich, how are you sir? It's the 21st, so 48 hours since the game. Yeah. It's the longest day um, in what felt quite a long window eventually. It's almost exactly 48 hours since the red card, in fact. Oh, right, yeah, good point, good point. I think Scotland are still playing. I think, I think their window <laughs> is still going on. Um, I think they're in about the final 10 minutes of their game against Georgia. Um, don't look at that Group A, whatever you do. <laughs> the qualifiers. Um, okay, so we're going to uh, look back over um, a pretty disastrous um, well, window. Nice we maybe try to sift through... But try to prospect for some. Go- is there any gold we could potentially um, find out of this? I mean, that's not to say nothing good won't come some. out of it. But I guess uh, we'll Rich, find, only you. We'll find out about that in the next few days, maybe or weeks. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Mm. So yeah, I mean, you know, we've got to face the you know, face the fact that Page is under a lot of pressure. So we'll come to that and his potential future and any options that the FAW may care to consider um, in in uh, in in a, in a bit. But um, for the first ten minutes against Armenia, it was going fine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very gung ho selection. We've we've seen that before, but. We're not assuming we're not. We weren't expecting Armenia to be as potent in attack as maybe Iran ended up being, or or or, um, or the USA or whatever. But no, or for that matter, Ukraine or Austria in the playoffs last year. We, um, I don't know. I don't like to say things about teams being complacent going in because we don't know what their mindset is. But kind of, it was very tactically complacent. This is a setup that he's picked before. It's a setup that you know Paige used during the World Cup that we know doesn't work. But it almost felt like, oh yeah, but for this game we can certainly do it. And to be honest, like when the eleven was picked, and we've got um, Wilson and Ramsey as kind of uh, two midfielders and a three-man midfield again, um, it felt like, well, I suppose for this game we might be able to get away with it. But if you're going to do that, you've just got to have more structure, and we just didn't have any structure on the ball. Everybody wants to go attacking vibes from. And um, it didn't pay off for us. We scored from a nice kind of transition, which we got a little bit fortunate perhaps in the ref playing a nice advantage and Brennan Johnson just put it on a plate for Dan James. Lovely goal, to be honest with you. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't, again, I don't think we thought, oh, well, that's job done. I don't think their minds work like that. But it did seem to be clear on the pitch that no one was really sure what they were going to be doing out of possession. Or kind of covering anything. Well, yeah, and, then quickly. and it was a goal that came from across. We scored lots of crosses. I mean, even at half time when we were losing, and I still uh, kind of felt just like, thought, well, okay, this is we'll probably going score to a certain more goals than them. A certain plan to a certain degree. Yeah, I put even at half time. How did you see the selection? Well, even if we just there, keep on playing this crazily open way, we'll probably end up winning just because that's kind of kind of tended to happen um, against inferior teams, but it didn't happen. Um, and there was just, I mean, on the one hand, you say, well, it was the players on the pitch who were making the individual mistakes or who were out of position. But that, I mean, that comes down to the shape given to them and the instructions given to them and the kind of the mentality given to them for what they need to be doing on the pitch. And that was a huge, like, it was like a, a catastrophic selection and shape by Page. There's no other way of putting it. Yeah, I agree with um, that element of it in terms of that's what I say about the shape of the ball and what they need to be doing and knowing their roles. I completely agree with you. I think I mentioned when we were kind of first going through the last rights of that game, um, our 
how like there's a couple of things that Page can't help. Like he 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 may have told Joe Roden to be bold on the ball, but he hasn't told him to dribble slowly towards two players as if he's on no man's land in one <laughs> one, and then lose the ball and kind of not come back for it. Well, that, just that's to counter a little bit a mistake on the Roden as well. Thing. But that necessarily is a not manager Page, looks at Roden. The fact that we're saying well maybe two of the four the goals they scored and hit the post as well isn't on the manager. I just think why does he think he can do that? Let him off as you're saying, Rich, and I completely agree with you on that. The kind of mentality of doesn't have to be fear but it could be respect for the coach to do that i mean it just seems a crazy thing to do and, and, I, mean, I, and I don't <laughs> think he would have done that under ryan giggs for example or or chris coleman for example I think it's confidence issues with Rodon. Mm. His body language just isn't quite what it was when he first, like, like when he first came into the side, even just a, a, a year or two ago. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether we seem to be going okay from in France. I mean, he's probably looking at Spurs. I mean, you know, I, I thought actually, you know, Spurs' season overall. I mean, okay, I haven't got relegated or anything, but it's a bit of a car crash certainly off the pitch. And you kind of think, well, actually, if he's away from all of that, you know. Mm. Is that a good thing? I don't know. So he's going to go back to a different manager that, that was there when he when he when he left on loan for France. And I just think, but 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 I but I you know whether that whether it's that I don't know. But I, I remember in that USA game it was about half time. I think his brother tweeted because it, it did the numbers, you know, or or maybe it was after that game. But basically joked that okay, Joe played as if he was on spice, and it was kind of like. He's still playing as if he's on spice, um, and um, you know I would say actually, and I'm not saying he's you know he's not been Beckham, but far from it. But I would say Mepham's our our first choice, um, def- def- uh, certainly centre back at the minute. I, don't, mm. I, th- I think Rodon is very close to to to, to getting dropped. I think that might happen in the window with Lockyer being fit again. And, and, yeah, I mean, and, and I think he's taking a look at how well against, like a team um, like. Iran was, for example, um, our players which, um, which, which surprised me. I mean, I bet you know, practically are, a double substitution. I think it was a double and substitution. That, and Ramsey went off hand and rode on. Um, and how clear the instructions are, and how well they take on board the instructions. And if a manager doesn't think someone's taking on board the instructions, he shouldn't be playing them. Um, so to me, it's yeah. I mean, you're completely right that Rodon's lacking in confidence and. I think he didn't play much towards the end of his loan spell, I don't think, either in France. Um, but again, it comes back to the players don't know what they need to do. And that, but that's he's also saying they're the in a transition. And I can kind of get I, I get that to a point. I suppose there comes a question, and this is almost but this is on the FAW as well, is you know, we have a we have a, a playoff spot more or less guaranteed because of the Nations League. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So is he looking at this thinking, well, you know, we have a, 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 a you know, get out of jail free card, as it were, so we can try some things. I suppose it comes down to whether they're the right things he's trying, and for how long is he going to be allowed to keep trying them, or does he himself keep trying them until he recognises that it's not working? So I don't think that is what he's doing because the the selections we've seen him go with in the last couple of games has has been. The selections we saw at the World Cup, which didn't, which didn't and, work. So that, and you, you read my mind. That was the point I was going to make. Is so, what is the transitional bit then? Yes. Because it's not the personnel, and it's not because it's 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 you know it's, it's very hard to break into the starting eleven in this side at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think Reese Norrington Davis would probably be there or thereabouts, maybe, but but, but not in a back four. But not in a back four. Not in a back four. And and I have issues with Nico in a back four, which we'll come on to, um, particularly when there's no Ben Davis. Uh, playing as a wing back without Ben Davis as well, frankly. But Lockyer maybe, but then Lockyer wasn't even in squads up until the World Cup, and he just snuck into the World Cup. So, you know, yes, he's had a great season, Lockyer, but for the first half of that season, Page wasn't really interested in him. So, you know, okay, Bradshaw's come back in, had a couple of caps off the bench, same as Nathan Broadhead. But clearly, you know, Jordan James isn't going to get a game anytime soon. Luke Harris, Oli Cooper, all these players who are kind of in the fringes, which a lot of players, a lot of fans, sorry, have been saying for a long while, it's, demonst- demonst- it's proof of, of, of strength and depth, etc. It, 
it seems harder to get out of this team and the page than it is to get in. So in terms of this transition, it's not the personnel, structuring the setup, and I'll hold my hands up and defer to far more tactically astute individuals. There's been some interesting threads online and on the, on the socials about this. I suppose, I'm not sure what the transitional bit is. Yeah, that's a good point. Other than personalities, culture, mm-hmm. retirees, people transitioning into coaching positions, e.g. Chris Gunter, the, the guy Ramsey, whose first name escapes me, who's come on board as well uh, from United. Not, the, not, not that Ramsey. <laughs> I know that Ramsey. Almost a spit I want to say Eric. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that sounds right. That's right, yeah. So yeah. there's that element, but what else? Well, I mean, you'd hope it's not being used as a excuse to say like well we haven't got Gareth Bale anymore and that's why we're struggling or we've got Joe anymore that's why we're struggling because we've seen that trying to think of ways that aren't saying bailed us out in the playoffs but it's impossible not to we saw at the World Cup that that wasn't going to happen so the longer it goes on the more you wonder how many cracks were being papered over in the first place it's difficult because um, I like Paige a lot as as a person really wants him to do well and I thought he had done some good things well but something I I kind of to come down to is what we should have done before now and how much we could have changed because going into the World Cup qualifying campaign he got us in the position to get to to get us to the playoffs now we weren't great in the playoffs and perhaps got away with them but you obviously can't let them go before the World Cup that would be insane no one would have gone with that and then I can't remember exactly when the new contract was given the World Cup was very poor very disappointing but I think he did earn at least a right to have another go at another campaign you can't fire a guy straight after a disastrous World Cup that he's taken you to March not fantastic performances we went bad against Latvia and then Croatia we at least stuck in the game even yeah. if we got fortunate and that's a fantastic four points and then now we have this so it's, it feels simultaneously as if it was coming and very sudden like there wouldn't re- it wasn't really a time before now that it would have seemed the sensible thing to do to let go of Rob Page but now suddenly for a lot of people it's like well it has to be this second certainly the Canton stands there's some very angry people which I don't necessarily agree with I don't think it's all falling on one person but it's like it's unraveled simultaneously, quickly and slowly, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. For me personally, I think, I mean, and look, I've, I've never kind of been an advocate for Paige. I've kind of respected what he's done when, when he's done it well. Um, and no one will ever be able to take away the fact he took us to a World Cup. And that's, that's superb. But I think the World Cup was such a disaster and it was the second tournament that Paige managed us in that ended in complete disaster there was no reason to carry on with him after that tournament because the same thing will happen if by some miracle Paige was to take us to the Euros the exact same thing would happen at the Euros that happened at the World I mean you would fancy us in the playoffs I think if he'd been doing different things and they hadn't worked then that would be different but he's very doggedly dogmatically dog something else uh, sticking to this idea that of the midfield setup that we've talked about you know ad nauseum and um, he's even he's in the post-match conference after Turkey he's, he's talked about like oh we did what we wanted we got Wilson Ramsey the two eight doing this he's kind of really keen to impress upon people that that is what his plan is but it seems so strange that so many people can see it's not working mm-hmm. to the point that he's either generously seen something in training that makes him believe it can or he's just I don't want to start going to like deluded rants about like Arsenal fan TV, nothing like that. But he, clearly, he's seeing something that other people aren't because he came out of the World Cup saying, "Well, Ramsey ran really far, and that was impressive. I'm not worried about Ramsey in this role or Wilson in this role." There'll be another red card if you mention that. Yeah, sorry, it's fan TV again. <clears throat> but um, it's like in the same way that he said he picked Harry Wilson for the games of the World Cup because he wanted pace in the side, and then played him in central midfield where he wasn't able to use that pace. Yeah. It's, it's it's decisions that he's sticking by, despite evidence that they're not working yes someone else say something now <laughs> there's a segue <laughs> it's what you say I mean I, I what you said there, there Richard about half time I'm think you know, we go in at two one down and I'm mm. thinking okay they've had they have had a couple of chances the first goal they scored was an, a, a, a tremendous finish Fantastic goal. and very reminiscent of all of the goals that we used to concede in Eastern Europe back in the day from like, you know, almost kind of like another country that was scored from so far out. And in fact, I'm pretty sure Armenia, I think one of their two in the two-all draw we had with them in 2001, I think was scored from Azerbaijan, it was so far out. But anyway, <laughs> I remember thinking, well, I think we've shown enough in some of those quick transitions, counter-attacking, getting some bodies up there. But as soon as those moves break down, we are just we're flat-footed and they just come straight through the middle of us. 
and the funny thing is, the frustrating thing is as well, and I'll defer to you two guys in the Turkey game. I've not, I did watch it live, and I've not, I've not watched it back. Bits and bobs in it, the kind of one and a half times the the, the the pace. Even with the second holding midfield, which I've been championed and many others for a long, long time, and specifically Joe Morrell being that player, who I think nine times out of ten does a good job for us. We still were getting cut to ribbons. They were still attacking really quickly. We weathered that storm early on, and I'm thinking just you know just about. But it's 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 not just the personnel. It is also mm. when he's picking a more defensive minded and what you would hope would be a little bit more of a, a, a um, you know a, a stronger, more kind of resilient, robust uh, personnel. Turkey was still moving us around very very quickly uh, and easily. I found um, so you know that and that you know if you think about. Because it was the June doubleheader, we, we were away, if you remember, for Euro 2020. Yes, it was Hungary and um, Croatia, I think. It was Hungary and it was another country, my mind's gone blank, but whoever we had, and we lost them both, if you remember. Yes. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I remember thinking at the time, okay, is this is this campaign, is this done for now? We, we were still competitive in both of them. We were a bit flat. If you remember, Bale did that really ridiculous quick throw. For yes, um, Harry Wilson, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, we've had bad windows before, and they've been an aberration. It was Croatia and Hungary. It was both result. of them. We lost by a single goal. Had you know, we scored an own goal. I think they had Hungary had a bit of luck for their goal. It was kind of there was that anger towards gigs now as this happened, but it didn't feel like a two games we could have taken and no points from. And that's that's the difference. We didn't really look close to getting a point. I, I mean, I've just read a match report in which they're saying, well, Turkey left it late. And it's like, well, they had two goals disallowed, one of them extremely questionably. Yeah. And a penalty save. And I think possibly hit the woodwork a couple of times, had other great chances. Like, essentially, we've been battered in both of those, really. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, we've considered six goals, which in a window which we haven't done for a long time. So not competitive games. And to be fair, Rich, I mean, you haven't changed your tune. You've 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 not been a huge fan of, of pages for a while, and you've said here, you know, what you no, said about the one I mean, cup. Then you said that before. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I I give credit where it's due. I've never personally warmed to him, um, or and, and a lot of that would come from I've never particularly appreciated kind of his his sort of style in terms of like like tactics and game management and stuff but it's, it's not a personal thing it's just kind of saying it how mm. how i've seen it but your point about um i mean armenia's goals were were really really good but then when you say oh well we used to sort of concede those back in like the 90s well yeah we did because we were a terrible t- we were a terrible team then and all of a sudden we became organized and focused and well drilled and we stopped conceding these kinds of goals. So to me, that's a really, again, that's another nail in the coffin for Page. He's transitioning us from a team that qualifies I made the mistake to a team of that will not qualify. Very briefly going on Twitter after the game and then getting off again. As soon as I saw someone say, Wales have just been unlucky tonight, Armenia's XG was one. Now, I'm a passionate believer in XG, and I'll, I'll always say this. <laughs> you know, and they're saying, oh, Wales won the XG 2-1 or whatever. They, they just called a couple of worldies. No much you can do about that. Just locked off quickly because I couldn't be bothered to argue about it. And it's like, yes, that the first goal goes in, their equaliser, and your heads drop. You go, yeah, they've got into an attacking position too easily, but it's a fantastic goal. There's just not much you can do about that. Fair enough. The second one, huge amounts of space, free header after Roden's given away. That's bad play. The third one is, um, I can't get the fact that I can't remember which is the third, which was the fourth. <laughs> the, th- the third is an excellent finish, but he's still essentially through on goal. It's kind of almost a one on one. And the fourth is an excellent finish, but he's still in loads of space. And they've hit the post. And I think there were two, definitely one chance in the first half. Was where they've header. headed wide, I yeah. think, possibly. Because actually Kiefer missed a couple of headers as well. And so the point I was kind of making internally, and then other people as well, is that you can't say, oh, well, they've just scored a fantastic chance not much you can do when they've had, say, six good chances because it allowed up. Whether you want to go down the math side of things with XG or just the th- or the game you're looking at with your eyes, the idea that you can just look at it and go, well, that's a great finish, not much you can do. Right, but what about the ones where it was a slightly easier finish and they haven't put away? If you give even a not great team six okay chances, you run the risk they take four. On another day, they might score only one, but you've got to lock it down better than that. Mm-hmm. And 
the main problem that it came with me was any time, almost any time Armenia got the ball anywhere on the pitch in their own third or wherever, they were suddenly in Wales's third within a few minutes. Sorry, minutes? <laughs> Sorry, within a few seconds. Yeah, a few minutes, that would be quite a good intricate move, actually. Um, yeah, they would instantly, in our third, attacking in a good position, just as you said, going, uh, going sorry, Russ, going through the middle. Yeah. And that's the extraordinary part of it. But I think we're, we're, we've realised that between us. So at the red card, I, I wasn't in the canton, so I don't, I don't know how it looked. And clearly the goalkeeper... I was directly behind it. It's mugged him off big time, isn't We he? could not He's believe gone looking it was for it. a red card. But is there not a little... When I watched it back, there's a little sort of movement of his, of his legs sort of into his midriff, which just means it's go, it just gets given because that's just the game these days. Having watched it back, that does happen. But watching it live in front of us, like right in front of us just because of where we're stood or sat or whatever, um, he's, he's basically trying to get escaped him because the keeper's kind of almost want to use my hand signals here but he's, he's yeah. grappled him yeah, yeah. and not let go and certainly Keith Moore has tried to kind of shrug him off a couple of times. Um, I couldn't tell you whether that is a kick out or whether he's just trying to free his leg. I honestly think it might be the latter because he couldn't extricate himself mm-hmm. and at one point the goalkeeper kind of Almost reverse suplexed him, or suplexed himself. He kind of spun himself yeah. round Kiefer Moore's waist and fell to the ground. And honestly, he was just trying to get away from him. He wasn't really trying to intricate anything. It was, it was an absolutely abysmal decision. But as you say, if you do anything like kicking out, it can happen. But I, I don't blame Kiefer Moore for that one at all. I think the morale incident against Turkey can go back and forth and it's a yellow card or a red card. But I think we've just been played there and yeah. I mean Paige has even said like oh they, they were streetwise about it and we've got to learn Keith's got to learn how to do that but I, I don't think he even did anything wrong to be honest with you but then of course the thing that can't be avoided at that point is it was always it was either already 3-1 or 4-2 it was definitely already two goals down by that mm. point I remember so unlike the Morel red card I don't think it had a huge no. impact on that game except of course the suspensions afterwards but no, I, I thought it's. I mean, I generally am very much on the side of referees and things, but it's, that was a pretty bad decision, to be honest with you. But it went to VAR, didn't it? It took a while. Yeah. That was what I assumed, I, and the people around me. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I, I don't really know what else to say. That's it. We also, it's probably for the sake of balance, we perhaps got away with one of our first goals on the counter from a 50 50 tackle that many refs would give. So, you know, he'd been quite generous to us before that, I suppose. I think that's the funny thing. I I, I actually thought, and the guy my guy was sitting with, we thought the ref had a good game for an hour, 65 minutes. We certainly had no problems until then. I, I, I thought he was fine. I thought he was letting it, letting it go. He let a few things, as you said, that we've seen more fussy refs call up and stop start. He wanted to seem to want to want the game to flow. Lost complete control of it in the last sort of 20, 25 minutes without any question. Um, but I thought he did okay. I've seen some people sort of say, oh, the ref was useless all night. I didn't see it myself. Um, what, do you, what do you think of uh, the, the more red, Rich? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess you can, make a, you can make an argument and say that it was a red. For me, it was a crazy decision that maybe if you're a more famous player doesn't go against you maybe if it's a different scenario in the game it doesn't go against you i mean yeah i mean you technically i'm sure they'd be able to reason that it was a red for me absolutely not um but in terms of the referee in general um i thought it's what i think we've had this a couple of times where the ref lets loads of stuff go and then goes mm. absolutely nuts so I, w- I think it'd be I think the, the better and this seems to happen in t- international football I've seen more than club football. I think it's better just to be strict all the way through, um, and you just don't end up getting these because it's not really fair on the players. I don't think it suddenly switches up where everything is a huge drama and everything is um, a red card or bad decision. But just to say, when Paige was mentioning about the dark arts, I mean. I mean, it wasn't exactly Sergio Busquets, <laughs> was it? It was. I mean, I, that again, is, that's the kind. That, that's the reason why I've never warmed to Paige. I mean, that's we call that the dark arts. Say, oh, we weren't wise enough to the dark arts. I mean, that's pathetic. I mean, it's nothing to do with the dark arts. It, it's just looking for an excuse and just sort of feeling 
sorry for himself and sort of sounding quite it's, it's not it's not dark arts is it because it, it was quite pantomime wasn't it the way he grabbed hold of the no, lighthearted arts and the way he reacted and ro- rolled around it it was i think page yeah. has never spoken well after a game that's not to defend him nor to attack him i just mean because I, I was when i was trying to find to see what he said after the turkey game because i hadn't hung around afterwards and seeing what he's um kind of what he said after the game and one of the things he said was um no, it wasn't to be, uh, you know, it wasn't, we thought it was a weird night or whatever. But you said at the end, um, it wasn't to be, they knew what they were doing, putting fresh players on to win them the game. It's like, what, what do you mean they knew? <laughs> yes, that they, they made substitutions. Like, I don't think there's any kind of dark art in looking at substitution. But um, that maybe that's just lost in his internal model. Well, if, ever, oh, if, if ever there was a revealing comment the manager made, it was that. They knew what they were doing, bringing players onto the game. From the garden, game management, ever since the 0-4 against Denmark, has been absolutely diabolical. This is what I was saying during the World Cup. I mean, that's sensational, the, that he said. That's um, but this is the point during the World Cup, was just kind of like, we. it's in Qatar, we can't start Bayern and Ramsey in all three group games. And it's like, ah, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, well, look, oh, look, they're really tired. Mm. And it, it's not even necessarily who you bring on. Sometimes it's about knowing the situation for when you take people off as well. And, and so what's interesting is it does seem to be playing to type. I said, we'll come on to his future in, 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 in a moment, but it does seem to be playing to type how these scenarios play out. And by that, I mean... You've got a very, very obvious candidate to replace him in the short term, in the long term, whenever, having kind of very relaxed interviews in a park. I think it was Poncana Fields, just by you, Rich, I think. You know, he's been a, he's been a cafe cast and, you know... We, <laughs> we, have appoint, we have appointed pundits before. <laughs> How many times have we done that? So, so then he's in the studio, Oshan Roberts, obviously. But then you've also got Chris Meppham kind of coming out and doing a rather, yes, we're all behind him 100%. In fact, I owe him my Wales career because he first brought me into the setup. But I'm reading it as if Chris is kind of saying this through, if not gritted teeth, it's, it's, it's not... It wouldn't be with effusive body language, I don't suppose. The paralinguistics of, of the interview. Couldn't say it's bees. <laughs> no, but but Chris Mappham then said, but it's all, but it's a result. And that was exactly. But I was there is a there are barbs in there if you. Well, you don't have to go digging that deeply for them, and I don't know. I I, I think this is is playing out to a scenario that we have. We have seen previously, whether it's with us or, or other countries. Although, interestingly, we don't fire managers. No, it tends to be an end of contract job, doesn't it? Uh, or there's been a, an arrangement come to. So, you know, Toshak fell on this. So, if you go back, so Giggs was essentially sort of eased out for, for you know, non footballing reasons, frankly. Mm. Yeah. Coleman left. Of his own accord. Of his own accord. Obviously, speed was different. Toshak. Left of his own accord. That seems relatively mutual. I, I think it was mutual, but yeah. Hughes left us for Blackburn. But it's true, there hasn't been a manager... Bobby Gould finished at half-time. There hasn't been a manager out and out sacked, as you're right, since, what, the 90s? Um, Mike Smith before Bobby Gould. How did Mike Smith end? He might actually have been turfed out. Terry Orr's contract wasn't... Renew. So we have a history of, of and the FAW, don't get me wrong, is, is a completely different beast today than it was to, to, to any of those managers. He was, uh, Mike Smith was, was the, uh, the first the first line of the independence story from 28th of June 1905. Wales to today begin the search for a new manager after sucking Mike Smith and the priority will be a charismatic figure in the Ron Atkinson mould. Oh, now, who, remind me again, who we appointed immediately after that. Ron Atkinson, no. Yeah, it's Bobby Gould. Yeah. Was Brian Clestel available? Anyway. Charismatic. I think we toyed with Terry Venables, didn't it? Some, yeah. At one point. Anyway, so it would be different course of action for the FAW to take if they were to fire somebody during a contract. And certainly only, what, 12 months into, 11, 12 months into a contract? Wait, six months? Did he sign it after or before the World Cup? No, it's before. Oh, okay, so yeah, less than 12 months. But um, then, of course, this is a very new FAW in which they mm. talked about being harder-edged and more ambitious. And, and there are people, ruthless. and there's people leaving all over yeah. the place there, in, in back office roles, as it were. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but you do get a sense that obviously someone's coming at the top and wants uh, his own people around him. In terms of the contract, I mean, I believe I saw like Michael Perlman mentioned this, and this was something I kind of had a vague understanding of anyway, is um, it's a fixed fee if he's fired. So it, it wouldn't make a difference if he was fired today or in two years' time in terms of his compensation. I mean, to me, this is where Noel Mooney, who seems a really positive, upbeat, happy, intelligent guy, he actually has to do something a bit tough now and earn his money in a footballing sense. Because I, I cannot believe, having sort of read a lot about Noel Mooney and sort of listened to him, that he would in any way think it was a, like a good idea to almost write off a campaign. Um, because I don't actually think this campaign no, is done with a different manager at all. We can win every single game. I'm absolutely convinced of that. With Robert Page, absolutely not. But with someone else called Oshan, <laughs> I, I think we could win every game. Well, even if we didn't win every game, I think we would have a, a much better team ready to probably win the well, playoff. I mean, also, we've got Turkey. We're, yeah, we're five points behind Turkey. Well, that's bad. You know, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. You've got, to, you've got to just beat Turkey in that game and, as you say, win every game and maybe even get away with a Croatia draw and hope for the best. It's not even out of the question that Wales finished second. It's essentially one disastrous result in terms of result of the group. Losing to, losing to your nearest rivals is bad. If you beat them at home, then you're all square and drawing in Croatia is your bonus. It's the Armenia game is the one disaster and, as you say, you can't, we can't guarantee at the moment that that's not going to happen again, really. I, I was convinced that we were going to just win it 1-0. And I don't mean that in a kind of blasé, we're going to piss it. It's but I mean, you posed Turkey problems yes. in, in that, in that, in the opening. On the pitch or in general? Well, yeah, of course. Um, don't dredge all that up. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they're not, you know, they're not your San Marino, your Liechtenstein mm-hmm. type, type minnow. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever claimed that they were. Um, but they have had some absolute stinker, stinkers of results. But then, of course, you know, the other thing is, is the manager now is, is the guy who was on the bench for Ukraine. Well, less you know, twelve months ago, you know, he had obviously done his his, his homework and more um, on on us. But I, I think you know the, the point you're making about you know the group dynamic. It's not as catastrophic the, the group position as perhaps um, as perhaps I'm, I'm seeing some people make out. Albeit the window pretty was catastrophic. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong pretty much did. Turkey've got to play in Croatia, and yeah, you've yeah. got to assume for our sakes, assume they lose that, and assume we beat them because we have to for this scenario to work. And then they're getting a maximum fifteen. We need twelve. Oh shit! You're right. We have to win every game. <laughs> yeah, we have to win every game or hope that Croatia blow it. Mm. At least they'll realise that as well. That's all the noise is coming coming out of the, the camp and that. So, anything else to say on the Armenia game? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Connor Roberts was poor. I don't really want to just go around sliding off players. He's had a long season and a really good one. I mean, they got Burnley got promoted, what, like six weeks ago, essentially? It must be so hard. I don't mean like hard like nurses hard. I just mean it must be so difficult, really, for a footballer to finish his season, have six weeks in which you can't go and properly relax. You've got to hang around for international window and yeah. then come at it. So, um I'm not offering him huge sympathy in the sense of, oh, well, Didham's, of course, he was going to play like that, but that perhaps explains why, I would say. But he was just, he's one of our most regular performers. And, and it's really important it. for us, isn't it? Because you, you get, you, you start, his starting position at fullback mm. when we've got the ball, he's, you know, he is really high. Mm. He gets, he gets, you know, he's, he's on the halfway line. And then, you know, in the back four as well, you know, that's, that's, that, it comes back to it, doesn't it? Then you've basically got, three players in defensive positions mm. and okay we have Ben Davis or you know it's Nico Williams and, 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 and it just doesn't I mean Ampadu's so overworked at the moment I mean he looks like a man who should have 40 caps as a man who actually has 40 caps <laughs> at the age of 21 yeah 22 yeah and, and that's that's the thing and I think I think come back to that first goal amazing finish as it was for Armenia Ampadu doesn't track his man Roberts has come far too in uh, it's gone far too narrow they haven't communicated and the ball gets cut back fairly easily okay he buries it nine times out of ten you're catching that in the canton aren't you but um those are things it comes up to what you're saying you know those are things that they should be working on and that's not it's not top level movement or you know real kind of class that's done us there that's just 
communicating with each other, who's picking up the runners, and that that sort of thing. That's the set of also just anonymizes Ramsey. Really, I mean, it wasn't that clear Ramsey was really playing in the first game. He has been not fantastic for us for a while, but I think that's a result largely of where he's going. And then, but then again at Turkey, like, oh, he's in a kind of more of a number ten role. This is perfect. It was like after half an hour, oh, he's playing. Yeah, I forgot. Exactly. Just coming deep again. This is not happening for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. giving him the captaincy was probably not the best I, I call. Don't. Although I'm off the pitch, yeah. I, I loved seeing him doing Welsh interviews because he was he didn't used to be that confident speaker when I interviewed him years ago. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. So that's all positive. But on the pitch, I don't think it's the right call. You know, he can he can do those whether he's captain or not because he's just you know he's the the senior international. Yeah. He wasn't a great captain first time round. Very very young man at the time. I've said this before. I think he's a little bit too diffident. And I think he does that annoying thing where he just tries to he he, he over tries mm. if it's not going well. And I think as a captain, that it's almost kind of he, whether he feels like there's an onus to do that every game, no matter how they're going. I, I don't know. I, don't, I no, not really for me as a captain. I'm Rich, not. what did you, did you see with him? So I thought Brennan was, but the other thing was I thought Brennan was pretty bright and mm. obviously struggled through an injury, so it wasn't as bright as Turkey. But I thought he played pretty well. Rich, did you see anyone that I'm massively wrong on? <laughs> No, I mean, it's a really horrible kind of potential situation where Ramsey twice has the captaincy taken off him. I mean, I mean, and in no way, shape or form does a legend of our game deserve that to happen. I mean, that's oh, that would be really unfortunate. But again, I mean, Robert, Page, like Aaron Ramsey didn't select himself as captain. Robert Page chose him. The manager chose him. And then it's also Robert Page's responsibility to get the best out of his best technical offensive player. He's not doing that. He's playing him in a position he's not suited to. Um, this is the manager's fault. Aaron Ramsey can't say, I refuse to play in this position. Um, Aaron Ramsey might be saying, well, I'd quite like to play in this deeper position. Well, then it's up to Paige mm. to say, well, no. I, th- I think they're both in agreement that he should, and that's what I don't agree with at that's all. The frustration, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably like a way you could build a team that has Ramsey deeper alongside, if you're going to have like three, like maybe like a really deep midfielder with two slightly, or like the double with Ramsey slightly ahead of them, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure, but it, it, it doesn't work. And that's on page again. He's not your sort of deep lying quarterback type midfielder though, is he? No. Because he's much more intricate and it's more around sort of flicks and it'll... And these runs. balls and reverse balls. He's not like a Varane, just kind of like pinging these things all over the place. Or also arriving into the box. Uh, and it, yeah. And in the Euros game against Turkey, as we saw, just the runs through the defence, if you like, as well. Like he, it's those balls. It, it's essentially the role he's in now offers none of those. And that, that game against Belarus, isn't it? Where like everybody is moving away from the goal. Yes. And he's on that different wavelength, ready for the for the ball back in and the potential rebound. Shows he's still dangerous in the box. Mm. So you don't want him any deeper. It's about finding that way in which he can still influence things up. Yeah. In their in their third. So that's the frustration. Um, personally, on the captaincy issue, I'd have I'd have left it with Ben Davis myself. Yes. Because he was the vice at the time and guaranteed. To start, if available, obviously, you know, if if, if Ramsey was vice captain, well, if his missus stops having children, he might well, be more available. I mean, at least that, at least he's available, presumably, for that reason, for nine months. You'd have thought your paternity leave is <laughs> yeah, be over by the next by the next window. Yeah, I certainly, but that's 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 as an aside. Uh, okay, Turkey. I mean, your hands, gents. How, how do we do Turkey? Because I I saw it, you know, one and a half times the speed. <laughs> Whoever was running around really quickly. I mean. I'm still trying to be optimistic. Thought, well, okay, hopefully there's going to be a reaction, and then, and then clearly it wasn't as shockingly abysmal as Armenia. But then, like, how could it be? Um, I mean, it, it was poor. Again, there wasn't. Did it? I mean, like, I think like you were saying earlier, did it ever feel like we were going to win? No. Did it ever feel like Turkey were, weren't really? raining down on us not not really in my opinion um there, there just wasn't a clear to me it, it didn't really seem like it was ever going to have a good outcome is, is my just honest assessment yeah i mean the first half was 
I mean, the first half has kind of aged well because of the second half, if you like. Yeah. So that's why, again, you see the comments from Paige after saying the first half we kind of defended well. It's like, well, we defended better because we had 11 men, but mm. certainly Turkey were having the ball in good wide areas and kind of, I suppose we were keeping them out of our area much. We weren't posing a huge threat. We, um, well, weren't really posing any threat. I mean, Brennan Johnson shot from a wide angle, which wasn't really on. I mean, yeah. that's not blaming him. He, he's kind of quite on his own up there for a, for a time, to be honest with you. Um, and this was the setup that theoretically should play to our strengths because there are there are people who don't want us to, um, and you know, sometimes I'm one of them to play Kiefer Moore. Sometimes he makes us play in a certain way, and it's good that he isn't. So, if you kind of subscribe to that theory, this is almost the the front six we want. Oh look, we've got Ampadu and Morel in midfield. Mm. We've got Ramsey in a ten. We've got Wilson, one of our especially this season has been good form this season. And James are wide players, and you've got Brent Johnson up front. This is one of our strongest attacking selections, and there was no kind of patterns of play, either when we had possession or when we were breaking, to suggest that we had a plan with one of our strongest lines out there. They they did play like players who hadn't necessarily had many football games together, despite the fact that was not far off our first team mm. attacking lineup. And I don't believe that in training they're just saying, well, swing it into Kiefer Moore's head, because that's not... Look, he, he scores some headers, and we do score some nice goals from wide areas, but it's not as if that's our whole game plan. So where are the kind of attacking structures that there doesn't really seem to be a plan when we have that and a couple of times we had the ball in a decent position ended up going back and you go okay we're recycling back to midfield and then it goes back to defence you're like well if we're going to be a team that keeps possession for the whole game fine but we're not we're just losing the opportunity we do have because that's the other thing is we could I mean I like a team playing possession and I like that we try to kind of start to pass the ball around a bit more towards the end of Coleman and then under Giggs and a bit under Page as well but the, the other argument is that we're so well set up to be a counter-attacking side if we could sort our defence out. So we need to either do that or at least coach some fucking attacking play, essentially. Some sort of attacking structure and defensive structure, one way or the other. There was somebody, uh, because it was put back into my head actually, it was was after the Armenia game and somebody sort of said, oh, you know, I know he's a great player and he's he's going to be a great midfielder, but you know what? Can we have Ampadu back in defence? Because we weren't playing like this when he was there and I thought... Uh, possibly I'm not sure it's a personality issue necessarily yeah. but he is somebody that can kind of bring the ball out and then it pushes some of the you know the midfielders further out I, I don't know anyway that popped into my head and I meant to say that a bit earlier kind of but at about whatever it was 37 36 37 minutes I'm thinking this isn't too dissimilar to how it was going in Croatia where we have we've, we've just about stayed in the game yeah. they, they'd gone ahead by that, that by that point and Okay, if we can see this through the half time in Croatia, we grew into the game a little bit and we started a game with a bit more of a foothold. Realizes red card, and you're thinking, well, no, that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, as soon as um, it happened, we knew that was and, the and game. I know it's easy to go kind of, okay, if only. You know, I wonder whether there is a game plan for when we're away in this group that is very much around, okay, let's weather what we can. It's quite a scramble defence in some respects. We'll hopefully be lucky, but if we can get to half time, then. We start to tinker with things. We start to push people a little bit further forward, and then we take our chances. I I don't know it's academic because it's clearly not how that second half. Well, we didn't even see the end of that first half with that scenario. But that's okay. kind of what I was thinking. But actually, it occurred to me until now. But we actually were completely full strength, weren't we? Not for the Turkey game because we had Keith Moore and Ben Davis out. But for Amelia, that was actually now I think about it, our full strength lineup. Because yes, Lockyer was out, but he hasn't been playing no. for Page. So there wasn't even that to fall back on. The absentees were people who've retired. And against Turkey, we've missed... We've got two players out, but looked bereft. I, I personally would have Brooks in our first choice had all things been equal for the last couple of years, clearly. Oh, yeah. I think he yeah, would be, but, but that, yeah, that, that's tangentially... Yeah. And Wilson has at least had a good half-season since coming back from his injury, which is mm. encouraging. Dan James just had a horrible couple of years, obviously. Mm. Which is like the fix, the kind of the um, away aspect and the away tactics. I mean, there's no sort of, there's no like mistaking. Get one all against Croatia is a brilliant, brilliant result. That's really, really good. But the problem is, it sort of sounds churlish to say, well, it was a fluke because it was like the 96th minute or whatever. And I wouldn't normally say that, but when Croatia's followed up by Armenia, and Turkey, where we're so terrible, 
it does make the Croatia point. Look it felt fortuitous at the time. Fortuitous. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I know, but you might say, well, you know, we hung in there, we battled, we never gave up, and then rightly we were we kind of kept fighting and, and got the draw. But now it just looks extremely lucky. Um, and, and that's like really worrying because then if, if you sort of say, well, we lost to Croatia and then Armenia, then Turkey, then it, that is, makes it quite a bleak situation even worse. But the fact is we got the point, so that's fine. Having our best attacking players, and I thought the front, on, on paper, um, the front three, all the front, the attacking players against Turkey looked really good, but they didn't seem set up defensively the shape and do the work. Because if you think someone like Tyler Roberts, who isn't a hugely popular player among fans, and then can apply to that, um, you know, someone like uh, Robson Carney, who would sometimes play wide. We've always had like really hardworking forward players who were kind of almost like, not defensive forwards, but um, who were there to do almost a job of work rather than just attacking. And you saw, and then you look at Wilson, James, I'm sure they could do that work, but if they're not being told to do it, they're not going to do it off their own bat. And again, that's a coaching issue, in my opinion. It's an issue of like the Iranian players all work. And, we, and I think they're a good example to use because they were so superior to us in the World Cup and they shouldn't have been. Um, I'm not going to not say it. It falls again on page. The fact that our forwards aren't set up away from home correctly, it the, falls to him. Well, the, of course, the other team in the World Cup who, again, everybody seemed to know their role, knew the drill, was um, Morocco. Who did they have on their staff until recently? Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, on the Morel red card, I... Yeah. Well, it's just a I mean, that's the thing. It, it, they just get given. I mean, it's almost kind of like irrelevant to kind of go, oh, yeah, well, I mean, he was clearly going to the, the ball. He's facing his own goal. His eyes are on the ball. Yeah, but he, he lands the studs in the guy's thigh, yeah. who was very very quick to point out to the referee. So it just gets given, even though it wasn't. I was just checking the Austin Roberts thing. He, yeah, he had he had left. He had left, yeah. He, he he'd left in mid-2021. Yeah, so he wasn't at the World Cup. 18 months earlier. However, he's he is credited with kind of having a big impact but I just wanted to kind of clarify that for people who would reasonably say he hadn't been there for 15-18 months before it happened yeah, yeah. Um, just being the, the I was going to say the legal side of things like anyone's going to sue us over that no, it's, so, it's, no, it's, it's, dear it's, points of view point, yeah no it's, it's, a, it's a point of clarity and that's most most welcome um, but no, uh, so but you're asking about the Morel red card yeah, and, yeah same thing I, I wasn't like you could argue yellow you could argue red but it just felt like we we haven't been robbed by that decision, no, such as some might claim. And the but, way the window was going, <laughs> it was just no, exactly part of the course. And it, it's a challenge that I think he doesn't make if he's not panicking, if he's calmer, yeah, if he's not doing yeah. these things. Like all of the players look panicky. Yeah, yeah. Body language is an issue. Well, across, actually, across, across them all, there was something I was going to mention in the Armenia game, even at one all when they've um, equalised. Suddenly, a lot of players looking to each other, kind of arms in the air, double teapot, blaming each other. Now, a lot of people would say, like, well, what do you want to do when you're conceding goals at home to Armenia? You want them kind of having that... Um, uh, I can't believe... That, I can't remember the phrase, sorry. Um, but th- that kind of... Like interrogation, but for more mm, people, mm, essentially. Mm. And whose fault it is. But it didn't look like that. It looked more kind of, well, that's your fault. Well, mm. it's not my fault. It's his fault. I mean, like, Ward at the end, of the fourth goal, didn't bother diving for it. It was just like, can you guys sort it out in mm. front of you? And not saying that he's blameless either but yeah the, the body language doesn't remotely look as if when we concede well let's go and get one back no. at the moment no and that's, and that's a worry and that's that again as Rich says that, that's something that's on it's on the, the, the staff isn't it it's on the coaches to, to have that in place and the players do play their part um, he brought Cabango on and I've seen people suggest possibly even in our WhatsApp group that Cabango should have more starts but from what I was seeing, him and Nico as kind of like the left defensive mm-hmm. flank is <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Um, but Ben Kamango looks like he has all of the physical attributes to be a top centre half. He's a big, strong, muscular, he's not slow. He's got better on the ball as well. He's got better he on the ball. He used to be not great with the ball. Positionally, and running back towards his goal, 
I just thought, which he had to do a lot of, admittedly. I, I, I thought it was quite telling. I'd have to go back and maybe watch the phase again. That it's Ramsey giving the penalty away with a handball in that position just sort of struck me as like, well, why, why is he so deep when we're playing a back five now, albeit, you know, we're down to 10 men by that point. Um, and then the goal that they had disallowed for the handball bangles all over the place again and looking in the wrong direction. It's like the really basic bits. There are a lot of free headers in the last few games. There are a lot of goals or chances conceded from free headers. I think Roden might have missed one of them. Yeah, I, mm, I don't know. So, yeah, for, I, I, I love Nico Williams and he, he obviously missed a few games because of injury. I thought, he, I thought he looked, I thought he looked really, really rusty over both, both games when he came on as well. He he does often attack in threat, but I think defensively he's he's a weak link. And if we are going to be under that level of pressure, mm. um, I think he's going to struggle. I want to hear about Boyd said against Nico. I'm surprised. I did. I was surprised he came on because I thought he was still concussed or with his teeth through the back of his head. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I I think back. I think his his best games defensively is when he's had either Ben Davis or yes. James Lawrence. He's also a little bit like Roden in the fact that he's he's good at the dramatic defending. Like actually, our best moments remembering Roden. You mean he's not dead, but remembering the best of Roden is when he's making that last ditch tackle and kind of celebrating like he's won the World Cup. That huge roar. He's gone completely into a shell now, as we saw with yeah. the goal against um, oh, Croatia, Croatia oh. where he's kind of hidden from that chance. As it's like you're saying about confidence earlier again. But even Roden at his best is very reactive and kind of. Well, who was it? Was it Maldini, Paolo Maldini, as opposed to Cesare Fomisi said that if you've made a, had to make a slight tackle, you've made a mistake. You know, and like uh, yeah. while that's all very Italian and and chic, it's there is something to it as well. Mm. I mean, Rio Ferdinand always used to say slight tackles are a sign that you've gone and you've cocked up somewhere, and mm. he was. I mean, he was he was he's an asshole, but he was good. <laughs> Actually, cut that, but he's not an asshole. Is it Xabi Alonso as well? Who said he couldn't stand in England where they they clap tackle because if. If you're having to tackle, it means you've given the ball away in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I don't know, something tackle or everything, but we, we don't, certainly none of our defenders, with the exception of Ben Davis and possibly Connor Roberts, I would say excel at positioning. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say like, Roden, no. Nico, no. Um, Ampadu actually to to gets charged. I mean, even his playoff defeat... With Spezia, like, was at fault for kind of charging out from defence. It's interesting when he said about what some people were wanting him back there and everything. Like, defend- individually, they're not good at it, and as a team, they're not good at it. Hmm. Rich, do you have anything that is less depressing? <laughs> uh, well, listen, listen. I would look at this as a positive. Our players, looking at defence, are playing well below their mm. best. And I believe they've all got higher feelings than they've shown so far. I mean, Ben Davis has been really brilliant. So we've probably seen him at his ceiling. What they need is new instructions from a coach who will use them in a way that they're able to show their strength. And that might be like to simplify their game in the case of someone like Nico Williams or certainly Joe Rodon. Um, Nico Williams might have to not use some of his strengths and just defend give like a six out of 10, that's really solid and, and spectacular, but gets us the clean sheet. That's not gonna happen with Robert Page. He won't suddenly change. Nothing will make him change now because managers don't change. It doesn't happen and it won't happen with Page. A new coach could, can come in and can rectify and everything. The transitional happen. things are he has been working on, he claims, he's not really gonna be able to do a huge amount of that over the next couple of months. So. Um, before we discuss specifically his future, we've sort of skirted around um, David Brooks back. I thought not only was it lovely to have him back, clearly, even if he was just in the squad and didn't didn't step uh, uh, step onto the field, I thought he showed some really lovely touches against Armenia as well. Um, a couple of little just sort of inside balls um, into channel, just just what we know he's capable of um, we don't want to expect too much too soon from him yes he's a wonderful player um, okay so well, I don't know what there is to say about Pages future but I feel like we've well I, don't know, I think it's clear where Rich stands I think frankly it's clear where probably a large majority of the fan base are now yeah, I guess it's I... a question of what do we think the FAW will, will do and I think what goes against him is we've got a friendly 
which is a free hit for any new manager, straight then into the you know the remaining qualifiers, there's frankly about as meaningless a friendly as they get against Gibraltar as well in October, Croatia then at home. So, you know, the, the but we still have that uh, fullback position of a um, uh, of a playoff. So, uh, if you were the FAW thinking we could make a change, and actually someone has got a number of games to bed in some new ideas, a new culture, um, certainly look to work on some of that the, the confidence and the body language issues that do seem to be a bit of a problem. And we've also got, it wouldn't take a couple of months, but we've also got the summer or the relative luxury of the summer to, um, to, to, to make that change. In terms of the games, to me, the next three games are like the perfect springboard mm. for a new manager, but they're also a chance for it to get even more. Yeah, he's not hiding to nothing. The with if we lose to South Korea under Page, irrespective of how good or not South Korea are, that would be incredibly toxic. And then if we don't win away to Latvia, that just magnifies it. And then it starts to look like a panicked decision to get rid of him, et cetera, et cetera. The time is now. He uh, needs to yeah, go. Yeah, but W will be looking at it and thinking, well, they were listening to this. I mean, I think Rich is right. Like, um, I kind of want to say, in case anyone just remembers, I doubt they did that. I, I have changed my mind on this. I was saying Paige should have this campaign. You know, he's earned this campaign. He's got this far. I think I was kind of in a slightly blasé manner saying, like, well, Paige deserves this campaign to see how it goes. And if we don't qualify, then he has to go. But I think it's because I just hadn't seen such a low as this coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought we might be poor, we might struggle, but um, it has fallen off so much that I had to change my mind, effectively. And I think the FAW might be in the same position. I imagine that they were also the thought, like, well, if we don't qualify for Germany, then yes, he has to go, but that's not going to happen, or at least it's not going to happen this badly, which is why I think it has happened so quickly. And you're both right with the fixtures, because not only is it, as you say, terrible for Paige, who essentially he has got almost nothing to gain from those games, I mean, if, say say Wales play fantastic football and beat South Korea 4-0 on a friendly. I'm not saying it'll happen. If that happens, there'll be just still the same people who want him out saying, well, it's only a friendly. Mm. And the only ex- result people would accept in Latvia is a win. Like, if we'd come out of these games with better results, people would take a 1-0 win out there. But now he needs to win well. And as you say, with the new manager, if there is a new manager, home friendly, perfect. And then while there are no easy games, etc., Latvia is the easiest game left that we have to play competitive in our group against a team that hasn't won any of the last six and um, like that's the last inverted commas easier game we have if you like it seems an obviously good time <clears throat> I, I, and well aware that I, I feel like an executioner saying this about a player or a manager I like a lot it does feel like as exactly as Rich said, it kind of has to be now. So the interesting scenario is, if it isn't now, then if it's given, and okay, and say now, I, mean, I don't know, now has what, like a week or two week window on it. Mm. If it hasn't happened in the next fortnight, then the FAW begin to be a little bit complicit in it if they're if they're being seen to be acting slowly or that they're dithering or that they haven't got a you know a name lined up. There's a couple of obvious, one very obvious one, one you know, maybe an, an, another couple as well. They've given him his backroom staff as well, because that's the other thing as well is, I mean, you know, the, the truism of the game is that, you know, a new coach gets to select the people around him as well. Uh, again, I mean, I don't know what sort of contractual terms all of these people are on, but people like Alan Neil and Eric Ramsey and a couple of others have only relatively recently come on board. So um, the FAW will have to be you know, looking at that. I guess it's a question of whether someone's prepared to work with some, some or all of those. Uh, I think you have to have Tony Roberts as goalkeeping coach. I think that's just, you know, he's just there. It's like a job for life, I think. Yeah. Just with Eric Ramsey, though, I wonder whether Page brought him in yeah, or the FAW point. did. I'm not, not, that wasn't entirely clear to me. And um, I, I've forgotten his name, um, the other Chris guy Gipton. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's safe to say Page brought him in, but the. Um, and then the other guy, the performance guy. But, and I, I think potentially um, he was given those new coaches. I mean, I guess how much, who, who would Oshan want to bring in? I'm assuming it would be Oshan. Um, I don't see that as that much of a barrier, to be honest. But um, yeah, we'd have to see about that. Who, I mean, look, we're all, I mean, I'm certainly assuming it's absolutely 100% going to be Oshan. Who, Some who of the names are the that are banded people? about 
seem now ambitious. Like a couple of years ago, I think the role was a lot more fancied. Like when it went to gigs, there was kind of a disappointment that it hadn't gone to someone perhaps um, with a bit more experience. And then Paige obviously kind of fell into the role for, through what um, through the gig situation. I feel like in the last year, even though it shouldn't be the case in the kind of post World Cup glow the kind of job has fallen down a little bit in the sights of some but I've seen people saying on Nathan Jones so well yeah I mean Nathan Jones is like a very passionate Welshman and mm. Cardiffian and the rest of it but he's also just left a Premier League job having obviously it went disastrously but having taken a championship team of very small standing nearly to the Premier League in itself and the intensity of his, him as a manager this is a guy who said he set fire <laughs> to the table tennis table at Luton which is I mean it's like performative psychopathy as one person described it to me but I don't think he's the kind of person who's going to thrive in international windows even if you get them together okay so I don't think he's going to want it and I don't think it's going to be something that would suit him anyway so that's a name that I think might not work I mean like you think about FAW connections and Patrick Vieira as well but similar situation like people felt that when he was sacked by Palace he'd been given a little bit I mean that decision's aged very well for them but people felt that he was slightly harshly sacked so again I don't know if he's going to be interested in something like this from somebody who's owned club management before the FAW coaching setup does at least give you good, give us good contacts in these regards mm. but then I suppose the question is do we want to be the team who's just trying out first time coaches now Vieira isn't because he's managed Nice and Crystal Palace but there'll be others there who'll be like well such as Giggs for instance oh I'll have a go I'll have a go well we've coached this one up well, I'll have a go and we don't you know, we're not a charity doing that. We either pin our badges to someone and um, pin our hopes to someone who we genuinely believe is a hugely bright future coaching in the game and could be absolutely fantastic, or you go with someone with a bit more experience as opposed to some of the gigs where really you got it because I was going to say personality, that's not the right word. No, you wouldn't give anything gigs with no. personality. But Fame, yeah. infamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've all got it, infamy. Yeah, so not Gareth Bale then. No, I mean it's a good question. Like I, I go because I was of the opinion that Austin Roberts didn't want it. You guys have um, disabused me of that notion pretty well. That he did. I, I wasn't aware he was as keen as he was to get the job when he went to gigs instead. And so if he wants it, then I think there's a lot of support for him to get it. Yeah. I mean, for him, it's a passion project. He knows the players. He's got a clear vision for the game. He wouldn't need to do any homework at all. This is his dream job. Um, this is the job that he was kind of, because people, one of the things people say is, oh, he's more, he's like a, an assistant, he's like an advisor rather than the front man. Maybe for club football he is, but not for this. This is the job he wants. And, and this I is think the time as well, being a number one in club football and being a number one in international football, they are different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like when people kind of go, oh, you know, whatever we think of pages he's doing, oh, you know, oh, you know, he, he, you know, he failed at League One and all this. Well, Coleman didn't have a really didn't have a great club management career. He did okay at Fulham. It's a very it's just a totally it, different. It's, it's a different job. skill set. It's a different job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose looking at it, looking at these names of the staff on the Wikipedia page, you know, Ross, Roberts has worked with a lot of these people. You know, Sean Connolly's been there for ages. Dave Rowe's been there for ages. Ian Mitchell's come back into the setup. Tony Roberts. He'll obviously know Chris Gunter. So sometimes you get a sense that there's like a, 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 a kind of like a not a bandwagon. That's not the right word, but. Uh, what am I doing? Momentum. Momentum. That's, that's what I was doing with my hands, Hugh. Come on, help me. Um, <laughs> Describe like audio description. <laughs> um, that, that's what I'm doing. Momentum. A groundswell as well. Behind a certain name. Mm. You do see that. You do see that possibly happen over the next week or two. But if it doesn't happen within the next, say, two, three weeks... It's probably not going to happen if it doesn't happen. It makes, makes you wonder, doesn't it? At what point, Rich, would you think, actually, it hasn't happened, therefore it's not going to happen? Well, I mean... Kind of going back to Noel Mooney, who's a very chatty, active guy on Twitter, who does voice opinions. He hasn't said mm. anything at all, and to me, like that's ominous because there's no kind of we kind of go again, we we back the group, all this kind of stuff that he would normally probably say. There was nothing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a deafening silence. But he has he has to step up now. I, I really do, and I mentioned that earlier. That is really his first this big, is a serious moment for his first big test to make a football decision. Um, yeah, I suppose it probably is. I can't recall. Was it twenty twenty? I can't remember. What well, I suppose. I think the gigs. I think the gigs business was it. I think the gigs business started yeah. still under Ford 
uh, stand corrected on it. I suppose actually, yeah, I this is something that does kind of kind of go in go in Page's favour to a certain extent. Is that you know he was essentially just having the job on a window to window basis. So any changes that he might have wanted to make, he probably couldn't feel he could make them because he was only kind of a caretaker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I suppose in terms of big decisions. Mooney's first one was was giving him the contract page in the first place because yeah July twenty twenty one he took over officially but as yeah. you say he was doing yeah it was it was pretty much window to window for the best part yeah. of at least nine months at least yeah so I think I think Mooney inherited that position it, it, that that arrangement as it were what makes me feel confident about Noel Mooney is he is incredibly impressive. Everything he says sort of seems correct and he's really ambitious and he's a really interesting thinker and so on. It would stagger me if he didn't realise what this situation was and what the outcome of keeping Page would be. I cannot envision words on page, him not acting. Um, he, I've said he, them all. Is, really is toast? Uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever really felt comfortable. I don't think any of us feel comfortable advocating someone to lose their jobs. We know, mm. you know, we have to do that kind of bit here. But I think unfortunately I've had my mind forcibly changed on this that the last few games have just been so and not the last few games, the last in terms of performances, the last year yeah. have been deeply worrying. Yeah. And obviously the results of that have come as well. And he would be of all the managers somewhere we, we place on record a lot of thanks because incredible yeah. achievement against the World Cup but I think unfortunately for the future and the present he probably does have to go yeah, yeah. which has given us a couple of very dramatic lines already which I feel we should have ended the podcast on which is, which is fair enough oh. guys until unless we page. find out how many blazers there are on the council from the Ronda <laughs> <laughs> blind parochial partisanship uh, place thing. In, in every respect that should be the final point um, but the um the under-21s, Ruben Cobble seems to have massively stepped up to the plate in the last couple of windows, having been demoted. He's done what was asked of him, so I'm hoping I'm going to see him back in September. Yeah, maybe there's somebody that helps that midfield conundrum. You're doing your momentum hands again. I'm doing momentum hands. Um, uh, in terms of uh, another, because I'm looking at some of the other midfielders here, um, and if they haven't retired, like Joe Allen, Johnny Williams, Matthew Smith, Dylan Levitt, I'd be amazed if we see these players really ever winning anything more than four or five caps each ever because they've just played themselves out of the squad. So you begin to think actually it's pretty <laughs> slim pickings in the middle. Um, certainly anyone's got any experience. So um, Ruben, um, I'd like to see him back and I think uh, I think we will. So that was that was um, and, and a crazy game, enter the game in Denmark in the 21s. And a good start for Matty Jones on the whole, I think, as well as 21 manager. So that's, that's a silver lining to a very dark cloud. Yes of a window. Until or unless there's anything else, I will let you carry on with your evenings. Doch you both. Yeah, guys. That felt quite cathartic for me. <laughs> <laughs> you gave two lovely great payoffs, like he has to go now, and I was like, oh, we should stop the pod now, and then we kept going. <laughs>